You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, hello there. Welcome back. Hopefully everybody got enough to eat for Thanksgiving weekend and we are ready to go a new week and another new edition of the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. I am merely the host, the discusser, the facilitator of all of these topics. TJ Reeves, he is the purveyor, the owner, the operator, the guy that you read as Paulson, aka John Lewis back aboard. We have both survived Thanksgiving weekend. We're here with takes on everything from the Cowboys Raiders rating going to the moon on Thanksgiving Day to Michigan finally beats Ohio State in what was really a picturesque setting uh, for the game to be on TV. And it looks like the TV number is going to be a smashing one as well for Fox. So much to cover. John, how you doing? How you feeling? How are things? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, that's probably not 100% accurate, but I'm here. Uh, Thanksgiving is past. Uh, now it's just uh, finishing out the rest of 2021 and uh, moving on to uh, 2022, right? That's a year a lot of us couldn't have conceived of, but it's right around the corner. Yeah, we will be there before we know it. All right, one fun one, because I know what the answer is in the Reeves household, which again is my wife, my 13-year-old twins, and I've got extended family, parents, whatever. How long did the leftovers last on your end? This is a common question everywhere. I'm just curious, how long did, did the last, did, did they make it to Saturday or was it all done by Friday? Well, we didn't do a ton of food uh, for Thanksgiving. Actually, I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. Uh, this is not necessarily representative, I want to tell you, but this is this was the Thanksgiving spread. Okay, so so for those in the theater of the mind that are only hearing us, John is showing me a spread that maybe has like main course bird and about three or four sides, maybe two or three sides, maybe. Oh, you're, That's you're not tame. seeing it. You're not That's seeing tame. it properly. So uh, one, one, one of these is uh, my tablet. Another okay. one is a pack of Trident Vibes gum. <laughs> another one is uh, another one is a pack of spinach. So the but, fresh breath was important on the table after that. So not yes, n not a lot of sides. I will tell no, you that the I, Reeves more than made up for that with all the sides we had. Well, let me let me explain because I want to just make sure everyone understands. I had been in Boston for two weeks prior and mm -hmm. uh, going to restaurant after restaurant and place after place. So it didn't make any sense either financially or from a health perspective to overdo Thanksgiving. <laughs> so we just did the turkey 
Uh, so a little bit of macaroni and uh, that's, that's it. You know, it was a light. Okay. Everyone kept saying that Thanksgiving was going to be the most expensive Thanksgiving ever. So it's like, you know what? Fine. We just the get Lewises the did their part to keep the median price down on Thanksgiving. Yes. However, mm -hmm. the Reeves did their part on the opposite side to pump that number back up. Now, I will share this uh, because I have no problem sharing this. This was on social media as well. My wife, my twins, and my in-laws went and did Thanksgiving at Disney World. Yeah, it's not exciting enough to do it with dad, husband. Uh, mm -hmm. They have to go to Disney World. So they ate at the all-you-can-eat at the Liberty Tree Tavern. I'm giving free plugs for Disney all over the place. So the Liberty Tree Tavern is in the area where the Hall of Presidents is, colonial times, whatever, and it's all-you-can-eat. Now, there are a couple of important factors and why they like to go there on occasion. This is a year they went there. There's no preparation involved. You don't have to cook anything. You don't have to do anything. The second thing is, after you gorge yourself... And, and pig out, you don't have to clean anything up. You just get up and leave. The downside, John, is there's no leftovers. There are no doggy bags. You don't take anything home. So they were there. I was with my parents, my sister, and uh, her husband. And we loaded up. And then I loaded up the leftovers. And so the twins and the wife were destroying that Thursday night and Friday. I am confirming here on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast the leftovers did not make it past about 2 p.m eastern time on black friday it was over mm -hmm. and done now i know a lot of people talk about this real quick and then we'll get to the media takes that their leftovers will last until like saturday i don't know how healthy that is by saturday night or, or any of that hours for years have never made it out of black friday so i'm just sharing that with the audience here and okay. uh, and clearly your leftovers did not well, actually, I think we still have some ham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how healthy that is midweek the following week to be partaking in that. Uh, do something else uh, uh, with that. Um, and then, of course, the pizza sales go through the roof Friday night and Saturday. Chinese food, which we did hit that on Saturday. That's always big because it's different. It's different than the trigger. Go eat uh, Italian, go eat spaghetti and meatballs, something else. Uh, this with that enough about the food let's get into the ratings and the numbers let's yeah. begin on the topics with that dallas cowboys game with the las vegas raiders massively watched overtime thrilling finish the last hour very dramatic fourth quarter and the overtime cbs touting the game as the most watched regular season game period non-playoff game non-super bowl in some 30 years John Lewis, what's your reaction and what's the real story here on all of this with the ratings uh, for that Thanksgiving Day game? Well, you know, uh, long story short, CBS was a little bit, you know, above the actual number. This is what's going to happen, right? Now that Nielsen has made all the changes that they made a few years ago, Nielsen would put out the Fast National and that was the number. You knew that if there was going to be any kind of change, it wouldn't be that significant. Now CBS, or excuse me, Nielsen puts out the Fast National and we know, well, that doesn't include out of home. So what does the network do? Earlier in the year, we saw ESPN put out the Fast National for, say, the Women's College Basketball National Championship, and that was down from 2019. And so the first story, the first draft of history was, well, viewership was down. But then the final national came out, and it was over 4 million, and it was the best in years because of that out of home lift. So the networks now more than ever understand we can't just go with that fast national. We're going to shortchange ourselves. Ironically, the fast national is actually probably more comparable to past years because it doesn't include out of home, but whatever. 
right? So the networks know that by just reporting the fast national, they're gonna shortchange themselves. And that first draft of history is going to be less flattering than the reality. So what we see now, and NBC started this around the Olympics is now, if they have to go with the fast national because it's a weekend or a holiday and they're not gonna get the, fat, the final nationals for a bit, if they have to go with the fast national, they're putting in their estimate of what the out of home audience will be. Okay. And uh, in this case, CBS's estimate was fairly accurate but it was also higher than uh, you know uh, uh, the actual reality. And the issue with that is that- You've explained, if I can interject, you've explained this before that that has actually happened commonly over the last year or so where they're trying to make an estimate and a lot of times the estimate is higher than the actual number. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the fact is when NBC first started doing this with the Olympics, their estimates were actually coming in lower than the final national. They were shortchanging themselves, right? It's a small thing, but NBC's initial release on the Olympics numbers was, oh, we averaged 15.5 million. Well, the reality is when the final nationals came in, it was 15.6 million. It doesn't make a lick of Not huge, right, right? Right. You know, I mean, and ultimately it's not like 15.5 versus 15.6 means the difference between the lowest rated and the second lowest rated. I and mean, it was still a record low, but you know, uh, it, we have seen it. We have seen the network shortchange themselves at times. Uh, makes me wonder like what exactly goes into this. Uh, I would be very curious to know how they come up with these, pro uh, these projections because since the Olympics, NBC's projections have actually come in higher, right? Like with uh, Bucks Patriots, very similar to this game with uh, Oakland and Las Vegas, the NBC projection ended up being much more generous than the final numbers were. So I wonder if there was any kind of change to what they were putting in their projections between the Olympics and now. And they're doing it for advertisers as well. They are projecting for the advertisers on what they delivered on. And then again, the advertisers are plugged in for a full season on these networks. So what the, the number CBS put out was originally somewhere around like 35 million, right? A massive number. What, what was the number they put out? It was 38 million. They put 38 out 38 million. Right. And it turned out to be 37.8 million. So, it, I mean, they're pretty much on target. But sure. the difference is that the original number was the highest since 1990. Right. The original number that they put out, the 38.5 million, was the highest since 1990. But the previous high was 38.4 million for Dolphins Cowboys in 93. So if that CBS projection was in any way slightly higher than the final national, then the actual number was going to come in not the highest since 90, but the highest since it ended up being. So that Dolphins-Cowboys game in 93, the Leon Lett game, and as you mentioned, uh, with a pretty infamous person on the sidelines calling that game for NBC, uh, that game uh, still remains the most watched since 1990. Yes, that would be O.J. Simpson. And if you are any kind of a study or somebody that got into the O.J. Simpson trial and the whole bit, it became a big discussion about whether or not he had the isotoner gloves or not. And, and clearly in that broadcast, when you go back and watch, he's got those gloves on on that snowy day in Irving, Texas for the Dolphins and the Cowboys and the famous Leon Lett touching the blocked field goal, which allowed Miami to have a second opportunity at another winning kick, which they made. 
uh, a very, very famous moment, iconic moment, really in the last 50 years of the NFL, the whole thing. And yes, OJ intertwined in all that. Still, just one more point on this before we move to the college football ratings of Saturday. That's a massive, massive number. The NFL ratings continue to soar. And I'm just curious. I know it was a pandemic Thanksgiving game, bad game where the Cowboys were awful with the Washington football team a year ago, but that number's easily like 10 million more than the Cowboy WFT game a year ago. Easily 10 million more, wasn't it? No, it was about 7 million more. I mean, last year's game, last year's game did well. 30.3 million is a nice number. Um, So it's about 7 million more than that. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, the CBS Cowboys games tend to do better on Thanksgiving than the Fox ones. And that's probably because Fox keeps getting Washington against Dallas every year. Uh, so <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, th- it was a great number. Excellent figure. Um, if you go back four years to the year when everyone was panicked about NFL ratings, it's 11 million more than Thanksgiving that year for the Cowboys game. Uh, the Chargers that year is 26 million. So I'm looking at something here that the early game, the Bears-Lions game, which again, there's a lot of discussion about why are the Lions repeatedly being given a home game on Thanksgiving? The whole loyalty thing of the NFL from the from the 50s and the 60s is long, long worn off because the Lions are terrible. Still, the number that I'm looking at uh, says that the Bears-Lions game did in the neighborhood of 26.5 million people watching mm-hmm. the early game. Interesting that the night game, the Bills and the Saints, where the Bills uh, basically routed New Orleans in New Orleans, only only a 19.3 rating. So roughly half the audience that was watching Raiders Cowboys tuned out to watch other things. I know there was a college game, Mississippi, Mississippi State, but whether they were going for pizza or, or whatever on Thursday night, roughly 17, 18 million people didn't watch the Sunday night game that had watched Cowboys. I find that interesting, John. A a quick follow-up on that? Well, you know, the primetime game on Thanksgiving is a relatively new thing. Uh, There's no real tradition to it. And you know what? Most people are used to, okay, the 4.30 game, and then you kind of just relax. And the fact is they do that on Sundays every week too. The Sunday night game never does as well as the 4.25 window. I mean, I wouldn't say never, but it's very rare that the Sunday night game does as well as the 4.25. Most people in, in the world have a limit to the amount of football they can watch in a day, right? And once you get past game two, and you're talking, you know, this is football is like the 10 commandments. How many people are watching the 10 commandments twice in a day in terms of length, right? You're talk, well, you're talking about the movie. You're talking yes. about Charlton Heston in the movie, yes. which the movie's like a three and a half hour movie, right? Yes, indeed. Most people can't get through the entire 10 commandments, right? <laughs> so the idea that you're gonna watch something that is the 10 commandments length twice in a day, and then add on a third one. It's a little much for most people, yep. right? So Aren't you know, you busting uh, out the Ten Commandments reference, and I'm still flashing back as I've seen it recently to Charleston, Charlton Heston standing to part the Red Sea, and the special effects is like out of a bad Superman cartoon to get the red. But that's what they had to work with back then. As I just digress on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Well, that must be a, a few years before 2001, right? 2001, A Space Odyssey, uh, right? With- did not have bad effects, right? I mean, they got better. They got better in around that era with Star Wars, Close Encounters, that movie. They got better with it. But yeah, for the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, I want to say that was like in the late sixties. We got to look on when it was made, or early seventies, whatever it was. 
Especially no, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the 40s with the Ten Commandments. I mean, it wasn't the 40s, but it would have been the 50s. Uh, Maybe. All right, you're going to look it up while we're talking. 1956. And again, and again, this just go back and watch just, you can YouTube it, I'm sure. Watch the special effects scene of Charlton Heston parting the Red Sea, and it does look like Superman cartoons that we all grew up on, if you're old like I am in the 80s, uh, with the special effects. But in any event, I love that reference. And you make a good point. I mean, the gamblers, yes. Fantasy football players, yes. They are still watching they are still hanging in, but by and large, most of the time, if it's not the biggest marquee, and clearly Buffalo's smaller market, New Orleans' smaller market, New Orleans is sliding and losing games, that was not going to have the same amount of draw. We continue on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Let's move into Saturday, and it turned out to be two fantastic games in separate windows for the big noon kickoff on Fox that they've branded so well. Michigan finally beating Ohio State for the first time in a decade. Uh, they win. And then the Alabama-Auburn game on rival CBS in that uh, 3.30 traditional slot, the Iron Bowl ends up being a four-overtime game. Now, we don't have official numbers. I did see a nine rating for noon Eastern time for Ohio State. Michigan, John, how accurate or inaccurate is that? And what do you think that translates into for audience for them? Well, that's just the fast, uh, not the fast night. I'm sorry. That's the overnight. Uh, we don't mm -hmm. see much about overnights anymore because – I mean, I don't even know where to begin. That was the first thing that Nielsen changed like three or four years ago. And mm -hmm. uh, overnights are just not relevant to anything anymore. But, you know, you can still kind of gauge how the game's going to do. A 9.1, you're going to be seeing a number that is probably in the sevens or eights. Now, we've seen numbers in the sevens or eights before for Michigan, Ohio State. Certainly, it's not going to be the 2006 level. Probably not going to be the 2016 level. Uh, it'll definitely be, you would think, better than 2019. So, you know, a uh, very strong number. Iron Bowl will be interesting to see. Uh, that was so disappointing, wasn't it? I, I mean, no offense to Alabama fans, but, you know, uh, come on. You got, you, Auburn you had them. Auburn let them drive 98 yards yeah. in the final a uh, minute or so without a timeout. And then they played a four overtime extra half hour, 45 minutes of bonus time for CBS into the seven Eastern time window. How much, again, at the time that we're releasing the podcast here on Tuesday, we don't have the number in front of us, but how much do you think it helped the number? It had to help it some yeah. with, a, with a villain, a love hate villain like Alabama in a four overtime situation that took about 30 or 40 minutes to play out. Yeah, I think it'll be a great number. I mean, you know, maybe it'll be comparable to Michigan, Ohio State. You know, I, I think the, the surprise of Alabama, which was such a massive favorite, you know, the odds makers keep pretending Alabama is a lot better than they are this year. I mean, we've seen them. They're like the Lakers. They're locked up in these tight matchups against teams that really have no business being on the same court with them. Uh, and for whatever reason, I mean, no one really buys at Alabama. I know that they're only got one loss, but. I mean, this is a very unimpressive run that they've had all season. The idea of them getting back into the playoff, oh, my goodness. I would still give them, at the time we're taping here, a puncher's chance against Georgia. I don't yeah. know that they can win the game, but they've, they've scrapped. 11-1 and one in that conference is 11-1 and one in, the, in the SEC West. So 
Dramatics, yes. I'll be curious to see what that number is. And interesting that then ABC had the Bedlam game, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, which was also close and dramatic. If you're a college football fan, if you're a hardcore college football fan, you were watching. I just wonder how much Oklahoma and Oklahoma State translates. And we've talked about this before nationally. Who's watching in the Northeast? Who's right. watching in the West? How much in the in the deep south, you know, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South yeah. Carolina, do they care about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? I think that might my speculation that might just have hurt ABC despite a dramatic game. John, I don't know if you have a follow up thought on that. Well, you know, Bedlam doesn't compare to these other rivalries. Everybody knows that. Uh, and uh, the fact is that, you know, a good number for Bedlam would be a terrible number for the Iron Bowl or for Michigan, Ohio State. But uh, I think it should get a good number, right? I mean, the, the overtime for uh, the Iron Bowl will hurt. But, I mean, you know, it's interesting because I said before that you watch two football games and you're tired for the third one. It's like, but then sometimes there are days when the first two games are so good, you want more, you know? And I think Saturday was one of those days with college football where the first two games are so great. It's like, oh, that's it? And so you do tune in for something like the Bedlam game, hoping to get a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe that's just a difference between college and pro football, where pro football, you know, it's so regimented and, you know, you get just the one game with college. There's so many different games on, you know, you're not necessarily watching them all the way through. You're dipping in and out and maybe that, maybe that helps. The good points that you make on all of that. And again, uh, Saturday afternoon, they were playing the Oregon-Oregon State game out west while the Alabama-Auburn game was going on. I know Clemson and South Carolina were playing in primetime while the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game was going on. So you do have different regions, different lesser games maybe that could detract from it. But you make a good point. And one other thing, and then I'm, I promise we're moving along here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast is we keep talking about appointment TV. We know that at the end of the college regular season, we're going to get the Ohio State-Michigan game, the Auburn-Alabama game, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State, you play, the Oregon-Oregon State. You plan around those rivalry games, and usually they're very important games. And then consequently, we know we're getting championship Saturday. The championship games that are coming this week have become a staple for that Saturday, really for the last 15 years or more, it's appointment TV, and I think that hell it gets ingrained in people. How much do you believe, John, that that helps? That people know the first Saturday in December, I'm going to get four or five championship games that are really relevant towards each other and towards the college football playoff. So I know I better get the yard work done, play golf early, get the you know the holiday shopping, the Christmas shopping done a little earlier because I got to be there for all those games as the afternoon and evening go on. Well, you know, I think for the college football championship Saturday, it's an interesting one because I kind of like what they did last year. Now that would not be, you know, pushing it three weeks into December. So it's right before Christmas. I didn't like that part, but I actually liked the idea of, you know, kind of doing it NASCAR style where you have the playoff teams, but everybody else is also still playing. I liked that. Uh, I, I thought that was something where, you know, you get to the end and it's like, there's what eight games on, the noon window is like two games in it. It's demoralizing, right? Right. Jeez. Right. It's, like, it's like when Well, the it, necessity, we should explain this. The necessity a year ago was because the big the Big Ten and the Pac-12 had started so late 
They still had regular season games to play. They were also playing makeup games from games that had been lost for COVID-19. And that was all about TV revenue, right? And the TV packaging uh, and selling of advertising. So you're right. We, that was a crazy day. I can just relate a quick story that that year, and, and it alternates. So the Big Ten played at noon Eastern time, and I worked the Big Ten championship game. Uh, I'll, I'll digress. And this is a great story here uh, for the audience. I'm saying this hyperbole, but let's see if John nods along and says that I deliver. So I was in Indianapolis this past weekend with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with the Bucs playing the Colts, completely full to capacity, Indianapolis Colt fans, berserk, deafening noise. What an atmosphere. I was saying to these guys 52 weeks ago, I did the Big Ten championship game in this same press box in this same booth area. And there were less than 2000 people there because the Big Ten had restricted it. No, no fans, basically just the friends and family and the and the closest, biggest donors, et cetera, of Ohio State and Northwestern. There was no atmosphere, John, and the game was at noon and Ohio State was in trouble. Northwestern was upsetting them. It was crazy. So that was a noon game and it kind of set things into motion for the day where Florida battled Alabama, that one in the SEC title game. I want to say they played that one later in the evening. They moved that one around. But the other crazy thing is you had all these Pac-10 and uh, uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten regular season games that were still being played. And I want to say there were some Big 12 makeup regular season games being played. There were game scores and audience and TV everywhere. Uh, that day it was truly strange being in the airport and I'm, I'm trying to keep up with like six games going it was weird it was definitely weird a year ago true and remember there were NFL games on that day too because the yeah. NFL that's the time of year when they have their Saturday games there was supposed to be a bowl game on that day too but it got canceled you know it was all nonsense insanity Crazy. last year uh, but you know I do think that there are certain things from the last year of you know ridiculous insanity that might be worth keeping I honestly think having a few other games on, you know, it's not such a bad thing, right? I mean, college football is, you know, it benefits from having a tonnage of games. It benefits from, you know, you can switch from here to there or watch some schools that really aren't very good, you know, like Florida and Florida State, you know, and uh, be able to enjoy the, the gamut of football, that I think is a, is a benefit. And ultimately, you know, when you get to championship Saturday, it's like in the tournament when you get to the elite eight and it's honestly, it's a downer. It's like, Oh, we got eight teams left. Uh, all right. <laughs> that is a little, that is a little on that. I just want a quick prediction from you. Then we're moving on to a couple of other subjects, including some love it or leave it coming up here with John Lewis on the sports media watch.com podcast. Uh, again, in the chronology, they're going to have the big 12 title game first on ESPN, where Oklahoma State is possibly playing here for a college football playoff spot, playing a two-loss Baylor team that can't get in the playoff if they win. Still a good bowl game for whoever wins. Now, the Georgia-Alabama game chronologically will come after that on CBS about 4 Eastern time. And interesting that Michigan, who's now in the Big Ten title game for the first time under Jim Harbaugh, very relevant for the college football playoffs, certainly for the Rose Bowl. They are the primetime marquee game coming on Fox. So it is switched around. They alternate this. They switch it around. Last year, the Ohio State game again was at noon. Michigan, Iowa, 
prime time right back there in Indianapolis. I was right there. There'll be a few more people at the game this year for Michigan and Iowa. John, how do you think it will do as it builds with, with Alabama, Georgia, and then Michigan in the primetime game with college football playoff spots obviously up for grabs? Well, you know, one, I mean, Georgia, Alabama is the star of the show. That's going to be the big one. It's going to be probably bigger than Michigan, Ohio State was last week. We, you know, I mean, the SEC championship has that standalone time slot, although the AAC championship is in that same window and Cincinnati is pretty relevant this year. If Houston mounts some kind of threat to Cincinnati, that could eat at the SEC championship audience. Frankly, it's ridiculous that the ACC gets a primetime slot on ABC and not the AAC because nobody cares about Pittsburgh Wake Forest. True. Nobody. And Cincinnati is playing for a playoff berth. Those windows need to be switched. I mean, that's absurd. Well, but we know what the reality is. Let's talk about it. ESPN has a deal with the ACC that includes the ESPN owned and operated ACC network. Who are they going to be good to? Yeah, obviously. Exactly. But I mean, it's just bad, you know, bad scheduling to put Houston. That Houston Cincinnati is a significantly higher profile game. Two, sure. two better teams, not one better team. Houston's better than Pittsburgh and Wake Forest too, I think anyway. So, you know, I mean, that game being at four o'clock right in the teeth of number one, Georgia versus at worst number, what four Alabama. Uh, I can't, I, I can't get behind that, especially Pittsburgh, Wake Forest. The ACC should not be considered a power five conference. If that is their title game matchup. Okay. Uh, I mean, I it's just the thing about the ACC is all they've had for years is Clemson. I mean, and so the one year Clemson doesn't do as well. And frankly, Clemson's really picked it up lately. They don't look that bad. Right. Uh, you look at their losses, their losses really aren't that bad. Uh, they lost to Georgia. And I think, what was it, two other games that they lost? NC State in a double overtime was one of them. And I'm trying to recollect what the other one is off the top of my head. I keep saying this on other shows, interviews, and podcasts. You would have thought, hearing all the vitriol and screaming, that Clemson was three and nine. Right. Ended up nine and three. Yeah. That's that's not a national championship season. That's not a bad season, though, at nine and three. I know they have standards, but uh, we'll we'll see what the ACC number does, but it probably won't be very good in primetime no. against the Big Ten championship game. And you're right. Alabama, Georgia may win the day, especially if Alabama is close and has a chance to beat them, because then comes all of the debate about an Alabama victory gives Georgia a loss, Alabama only one loss. Do we have two of the SEC teams in the Final Four? Most likely, yes, in that scenario. And what happens with Cincinnati? And one more thing. At the time that we're taping this, the news is fresh that Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame and has accepted the LSU job. Notre Dame is very much in play for the college football playoff. And it yeah. doesn't look like Brian Kelly would coach the game. I've got a further Armageddon scenario. What if Cincinnati wins this game and they're in the college football playoff and Luke Fickle is the target, the coach of Cincinnati, to be the Notre Dame coach? And you further it out that Cincinnati beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame earlier in the year to help them potentially be in the college football playoff. How crazy is this script? If yeah. Brian Kelly has left Notre Dame and they're maybe in the playoff and Luke Fickle may be leaving Cincinnati for Notre Dame and they're in the John, that is wild. That's whacked. Well, you know, this college football and their coaches and the coaches wanderlust is so just <laughs> distasteful, isn't it? 
I, I think the Brian Kelly situation, one, it's hilarious that Notre Dame is now less of a high profile job than LSU. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the idea that, you know, you build something great at Cincinnati just to leave, you know, I mean, I guess I can understand that, you know, college professors go to different universities all the time. And what are college football coaches other than just really highly paid college professors, right? College professors who uh, have more job security than any professor that has tenure anywhere in the world, right? Uh, look, ultimately, I think, uh, you know, it's it's distasteful you know we it's weird we live in this world people get so mad when players leave they just get so upset oh my gosh how immoral you know lebron leaves for miami and dan gilbert melts down like he's a teenager on instagram who just had a breakup and it's just amazing because the coaches the coaches in college sports they just leave willy-nilly and even if they don't leave they're constantly flirting with other people uh, like even when Krzyzewski was thinking about going to the Lakers or Calipari every single year thinking about going to the NBA, you know, I mean, it's just amazing what gets tolerated from the uh, highest paid public employees in every single state in the union. Right. But. Yeah, it's true. And uh, we, we should have been fired football coaches because even the fired coaches are making 5 million, 10 million, 15 million to not coach. We should have we should have been that. Let's get to uh, something that has become a staple here. Let's get to it. Love it or leave it. College basketball back on the big stage last week with all of the pre-conference tournaments, including the return of Dick Vitale. I think we both are in agreement. We love that. Dick, very emotional uh, in tears for the Gonzaga-UCLA uh, game that he did in Las Vegas with Dave O'Brien on ESPN, and they did a fantastic job of paying tribute to him. Uh, Dick then came back to Orlando and worked the Orlando ESPN tournament where Kansas was upset in that tournament. Great Friday night game between Gonzaga and Duke. Made for TV game, neutral floor in Las Vegas. Had the number one crew, Jay Billis, Dan Schulman doing the game. All right, uh, we, we love Dick being back, but did you did you love it or leave it some college basketball viewership this past week, John Lewis? I think it was, you know, hard to tell so far because we don't have a lot of the numbers. Uh, but the first game, the Gonzaga-UCLA, the one versus two, that did well. Uh, you know, I'll be intrigued to see Gonzaga uh, versus Duke, that number. I'll be intrigued to see the number for uh, the uh, Dayton, Kansas. Can't imagine that was that high. Probably not at the million mark, honestly. And, and the reasons, again, that was a daytime Saturday game during all the college football mayhem. You had to be a hardcore college fan, a gambler, a fan of one of those schools, uh, Dayton or, or Kansas basketball or else you probably didn't even know this game's going on. It's it's just, you know, part of the pitfalls of trying to cram everything into that weekend, oh right? I just, I didn't notice this. The MLS match that aired after the NFL had 7.2 million viewers. Holy smokes. On, on what network now? Where did that come on up? Fox, on Fox. It had the lead in. I didn't even notice this. It had 7.2 million. That's obviously the highest ever for the MLS ever. Are you kidding? That's unbelievable. Well, maybe it's an error. And this was on Sunday or this was on this Saturday? This was on, uh, on Thursday, on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving the when they played an the MLS year. game. Uh, and the, and the, mean, lead in, the lead in again was something like $17 million for the Bad Lions and the last second win no, by the Bears. No, it was $27 million. It was $27 million. I didn't even know. $27 million, yeah. yeah. I didn't even think to look because, you know, who's thinking about MLS? 7.2. You said it. <laughs> 
I mean, soccer fans will get upset at the idea of us even considering that this was an error. But man, that is a shockingly high number for MLS. Because like, typically they do well to get a million for a regular yes. season. Again, this is seven times the audience. Uh, the soccer heads get upset at everything. Their audience is their audience. And so that's that's all that we're pointing out on this. That leads us into another one. Love it or leave it. We did discuss the uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We did discuss the dog show, the Westminster Dog Show, etc., uh, John, I, I believe has some. I believe you're loving you some ratings uh, here and some ratings info here on what happened with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, etc. Well, you know, uh, one of our uh, one of our good friends, uh, Tom O'Jackian, uh, often talks about how the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade it's uh, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. We don't really think about how well it does, and it does well every year. This year, it did. Uh, 22 million viewers, which, by the way, was the top show on NBC on Thanksgiving. Ahead. How about that? Yeah, ahead of the Bills Saints. It was NBC's top show. I didn't even realize this, but the Macy's Parade also airs on CBS. It's just not called the Macy's Parade on CBS. So add another 7 million viewers to that. 29 million, which trails only the Cowboys game. Look, this is something I don't ever watch, right? I've never watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I had no idea. I mean, I knew it did well, but, you know, that's, That's pretty darn good. So I have to confess, as I explained earlier in the podcast, my wife and crew, my twins, had already left. I never had a, it's always on in our house for the entirety, John. It is on from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time. Uh, and I did not watch a single second this year. I'm confessing that on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Uh, and again, Tom Ojachian is uh is OJ. Love, love his insight from the American Athletic Conference. By the way, he's championing. Uh, you uh, saying that the Cincinnati Houston game should have gotten a better window. Tom again does a bunch of the media stuff and media negotiation for the American Athletic Conference, was formerly with the Big East in that role uh, as well. So I love that he's sending you the numbers, but yeah, it, that I mean, you talk about again, that is a great example of ingraining in people for the last 40 or 50 years that at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central. You're watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade to kick off Thanksgiving. It's almost like appointment TV. And that is, that's, I mean, you wonder why, um, I mean, Macy's has been in financial trouble, but you wonder why they spend the money to have their name on that 22 million that are watching when they're saying Macy's over and over again and showing the ads and showing their product placement throughout the parade. It is a three hour commercial for them. I don't know if it's worth what they spend, but that is uh, that's pretty amazing uh, that that kind of number. And yes, I am aware that that CBS has been uh, to I believe local New York TV stations, a couple of independent ones used to also televise it at times. They may have gotten nudged out by the networks. I don't know, but they would show parts of it uh, as well. And speaking of Alabama, because of the hate, John Lewis, I don't know if you know this factoid, the Alabama million dollar band. That's what they're known. The marching band is known as the million dollar band. They marched right before Santa Claus came out. They were the last thing before the famous end of the parade where Santa comes out and waves, goodbye, everybody, roll the credits. The Million Dollar Band was there in New York, and then the next day they were in Auburn, Alabama for the uh, for the Iron Bowl, the epic four-overtime Iron Bowl uh, on that. Uh, I believe we have time here for one more. Love it or leave it. And we come into this weekend where uh, last weekend we had Black Friday, we had Cyber Monday. So we're coming into this weekend, this weekend, 
John, did you get a lot of your uh, shopping done online or otherwise, like most everybody else? Were you primarily taking advantage of Cyber Monday, et cetera? How did it go on Love It? Did you love you some uh, online shopping this weekend? Unfortunately, I did do some online shopping. You know, I think it's probably a moral failing to do this, you know. Uh, Look, let's be real. It comes down to the things that you want to get throughout the year. If you can get them for a lesser price, then you try to do that. Uh, Ultimately, you know, I don't know. It's not, it's, it's, it's a lot like watching reality TV. You know, it's just like, you know, you're, you you know, you know, you're doing the wrong thing. It's just not, not good. So, well, but you still, it's more efficient. You get it done somehow, some way. I can tell you that I have been in and out of the stores over the course of last weekend. I was not early, but I was in a store Friday that looked like we were a couple of different places that looked like uh, it, it had been pillaged by pirates uh, inside of it. So, there, there was a lot of shopping going on, and it's good for a lot of people. They, they are venturing back out uh, here in 2019 or 2021, 20, uh, where uh, it's the first time since 2019 they went and participated in uh, in-person shopping, et cetera, for Black Friday and for the weekend. So I was just curious. Uh, there's all, And there are always going to be better deals, by the way. They'll run more sales and better deals besides just Cyber Monday coming up here for this we're coming to the end of the latest edition of the podcast john anything else that we did not cover here that you would like to hit on before we are done uh keenan thompson looks like he just stepped off the set of the pierre escargot thing he used to do on all that uh, i don't know how he still looks like that at what he's got to be like at least 40 but i mean he honestly Looks like it's still 1996. Uh, I did want to point out. Let me see here. Am I? Am I? Am I actually? Keenan Thompson, comedian, also known for Saturday Night Live. Right. For those that are not all familiar with what John's talking about, go ahead. I wanted to also shift gears. This is interesting. I'm looking at this transcript here. Um, let's see. Let's see if I. So you know, we know any. We know Enos Cantor um, just changed his name to Enos Cantor Freedom. That's correct. I'm trying to figure out if this. This. Transcript is very interesting. We was on the Tucker Carlson show the other day, okay. which, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to say. Am I correct? Can I interject? He just sure. became a naturalized U.S. citizen in changing it. I believe yeah. that is the case. He became a U.S. citizen and changed the name. But go ahead. So I just want to I, I hope I'm accurately describing what he said here. This is a transcript from Justin Barragona of, oh, well, the Daily Beast. But, you know, I assume this is still correct anyway. So uh, he said on the Tucker Carlson show, uh, this is Enos Cantor Freedom talking uh, about people who criticize America. So he says, you know, I'm just gonna say this, and I'm gonna be honest, people should feel really blessed and lucky to be in America because they love to criticize it. But when you live in a country like Turkey or you know China or somewhere else, you will appreciate the freedoms you have here, which, you know, hey, fair point. So then he adds after that. So I feel they should just please, they should just keep their mouth shut and stop criticizing the greatest nation in the world. And they should focus on, you know, their freedoms and their human rights and their democracy, which kind of goes against everything that Enos Kander has been saying. It's contradictory on the face, isn't it? That sentence is contradictory because the whole basis is you should be able to criticize the country because of the freedom you have, the freedom he attached to his name for the NBA player. I got you. I got you on that. You know, it's, it is interesting. Um, 
to hear him talk about and people when you're around people from other countries, put it this way, they they talk about this often. I can't speak out where I live about the government without fear that they may come and imprison me or kidnap me or kill me, depending on where it is, the country that they've they've been in. We don't have that problem. We sit here on this podcast. We sit on social media. We sit everywhere and express our opinions. So the line of thinking is correct. It's a great country for that reason. But we shouldn't just squelch those that we disagree right. with. I agree. Well, with that's you the on thing. That. I mean, America is a great country. And, you know, a lot of immigrants come here and say it's the greatest decision I ever made coming to this country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, reflexive America bashing is kind of dumb. But far, far dumber is the idea that you should not criticize the country you live in. That is absurd. Uh, so for Enos Cantor to say that, that is because, I mean, for the longest time, I it's been tough with Enos Cantor because, I mean, he's living the real life in terms That's of right. he is actually being pursued by Erdogan and the Turkish government. But family, always, by the way, still in Turkey, family still in jeopardy in Turkey with what's going on here. Yes. But I've always just had a feeling that there was just something about this that just didn't come off as fully authentic something about his kind of taking the mantle of freedom. And to, to read that quote, like, come on, you can't pop me. Maybe, you know what, I will give him this. Maybe he was just super nervous being on the highest rated cable news show on TV and stumbled over his words and said something that he didn't really mean. Because for everything that he said, for you to come out and say that people should keep their mouth shut and stop criticizing the greatest nation in the world, is uh, a credibility killer on par with, if not exceeding, what LeBron said about China with uh, Daryl Morey. I mean, that is, it's at that level. Like we're, oh, I'm not gonna take you seriously anymore on anything you say, right? That's absurd for him to say that. But, All right, yeah. I love the takes. And there's, there's one more uh, on that. Anything else in closing here as we, as we put a wrap on this latest podcast, John Lewis? Um, let's see. Let's see. There was something else I was going to mention. Um, we've covered everything. I'm just refreshing for the audience from the NFL to the college football this weekend, some college basketball. We're anxious for the championship Saturday to see how that does as, as well, including, uh, John's online shopping. What else in closing? I do have an airport story. Please. I was in the airport at Logan. Great experience, by the way, Logan Air. You know, I really recommend the Logan International Airport experience for everybody. Do but, I uh, determine, sar- do I detect sarcasm? I perhaps, think there might be a touch. Yes. Perhaps. So I was at Logan International Airport and I, you know, we're sitting there waiting for our plane. And then over the PA, they're like, Israel Gutierrez, please report to the desk. And I was like, well, that's got to be the Israel Gutierrez, right? <laughs> Who else could it possibly be? Okay. Right? All of ESPN was in Boston for the Lakers Celtics game the previous night. So I was keeping my eye out for any very jacked, uh, you know, sports writers, uh, but he never showed up. But uh, I mean, maybe Israel Gutierrez is a common name. It probably is. But I mean, all of ESPN was in Boston for that Lakers Celtics game. It had to be the Israel Gutierrez. You thought you were going to have a quick little brush with greatness there. Uh, Sometimes happens at airports. Exactly. I, I was keeping my eye out for Mike Green, you know. I you never know who might be on your flight. I still relate exactly. this. The Buccaneers won their first Super Bowl in San Diego in January of 2003, and this will tie into you being in Boston and you being at Cheers. 
So we had to drive on Monday morning from San Diego to Los Angeles, which is normally about a two-hour drive. The person that I was riding with made the drive in about an hour 25 because he was going 100 miles an hour, I can now confess, up the I-5 to make sure we made the plane. So we get to Los Angeles. We get to LAX. There's mayhem. There's traffic everywhere. He gets to the rental car. We drop the rental car. We've literally got less than an hour to get through security and get on the plane at LAX. So we're kind of running a little bit towards the terminal, and I'll even name the airline, the Delta Terminal, which again, LAX, as big as you think Logan International Airport is, think three times bigger for Los Angeles International Airport. It's like its own little city. So I am running on the sidewalk with the engineer. We're running to the Delta Terminal and with one other person that's with us. And a Mercedes Benz, a classic Mercedes Benz, is on the curbside with a driver getting bags out. And it's George Went, the norm from Cheers, is getting out to go get on his flight on that Monday morning after the Super Bowl, to which I am running past, never stopped. And I just yelled, Norm. And he put his hand up and waved at me. I'm waving at John, who can see me on the bus. That's all he did was wave. Wave his hand when I ran by Norm. You never know when you're going to have rushes yeah. like that in the airports. But, you know, George Wendt has had that experience 400,000 times. Yes, he has. The word he's heard most in life is Norm. Not That's right. I or, you know, whatever, or George. <laughs> he's heard the word, he's heard the name Norm. More often than he's heard the name George, I'm quite sure. The question is, is he answering to Norm at any point uh, throughout the heyday of the show in these days? He might, he might more so than... Uh, than George. Uh, listen, great stuff as always. Appreciate the uh, the takes. We encourage everybody to read the site, sportsmediawatch.com. Follow John at Paulson underscore SMW on Twitter for Sports Media Watch. Paulson underscore SMW. I always love getting to hang with you. Uh, they say in the White House press briefings, it's a full lid. I think it's a full, this could be a full lid here on the uh, on the show. Are we Are we good? Yeah, I don't know what a full lid is. You know, I don't watch those White House press briefings. It just means they're done. It means oh, it's okay. a full lid. We're done. There's nothing else until tomorrow, uh, unless, of course, something breaks. But uh, you never know what that. But in the briefings, it's a full lid. So on the podcast, it can be a full lid on this episode. Has there ever been a good White House press secretary ever? Has there ever been one? Allison Janney was fantastic as oh. C.J. Craig in, uh, in the a... West Wing, a fictitious character. She was tremendous. Yeah, well, that's TV. I, I, I never watched that show. I don't watch You didn't specify before. real or fiction, so I threw in fiction to I, help you I, out. As far as the real ones go, I don't know. I mean, uh, I can't name a single White House press secretary who was not just, just terrible. Like, they try. Uh, they have to lie a lot of the time, and they have to yeah, try to do it well. On that note, John is always deciphering the liars and, and, and calling them out and uh, also looking over the ratings and everything that goes on this weekend. We'll see what happens with Championship Saturday and college football and what those numbers will be. You'll be writing all about that in advance, all the NFL numbers uh, and all the different things with media and personalities. John, thank you as always for hanging out here on the podcast. All right. I will actually let this podcast sign off this time instead of adding on a third thing. <laughs> All good. It's your world we're just visiting. That's John Lewis. I am TJ Reeves. Again, subscribe here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Find it through John's site as well, sportsmediawatch.com. Thank you for being with us on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.